Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. For the record, you can read digital or physical or both like we do. I think that's a, I, I think that might be a misconception people have about us. I know. Is that we only read digital and that's not true. Yeah, you should see all the books we have we, here. Not just like here, but like our home libraries. Not just like Adam and I, but our, our whole everyone. team, everyone. We love books we in whatever love form. Books. It's going to be a tagline we. for this <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 114 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and as as usually, I'm joined by Joe. What's going on, Joe? Not much. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm doing good. Uh, staring down the barrel of, like, six weeks where either one of us or neither of us will be in the office. So Yeah, it's a little ridiculous, people, so hopefully we'll still be able to keep yeah. up. We're going to get our content out there for you guys, um, but just... Just know, yeah, peek by the cur- behind the curtain, just know that sometimes if we tell you that, like, hey, you're listening to this on May 19th, it's pro- we probably recorded it, like, two weeks in advance. Yeah, Just because. May is very busy. Yeah, that's okay, though. Um, so what we're going to do today, earlier in the year, way, way back in January, we did something uh, which we called Book Riot Read Harder Challenge Part 1, and so... We're going to do the second part of that, but for people who don't know, would you mind explaining kind of what the book riot read sure. challenge is? Yeah. So, um, as I'm like adjusting my mic, so apologies for any weird noises. Um, Book Riot is a website we love here at the Overdrive office. Yes, we do. And every year they put out their Read Harder Challenge, which is a set of sort of goals to achieve in terms of exposing yourself to books and authors you might normally not read. Um, and so we just sort of, there's like 20-ish, 25. Yeah, I can go through like what we talked about after right. you're done here. Um, different types of books they encourage you to read. And so we just sort of pick a few of those and offer suggestions for them. Yeah. So if you're doing the Read Harder Challenge or if you want to start, it's May, it's not too late. You can definitely do this. Uh, I believe in you. <laughs> um, if you go back to episode 82, the five different categories from Book Riot that we offered suggestions for were read an LGBTQ plus romance novel, read a collection of short stories by a woman, read a book by an immigrant or with a central immigration narrative, read a book about sports, and travel memoirs. So for each of those, we offer you way more than I remember, actually. We did a bunch of book, a book about sports options. Uh, so that was like our first fourth of them that we kind of took a, a chop at. And now we're going to do the second fourth. Uh, so the five categories we're going to talk about today are read a debut novel, read a book published between 1900 and 1950, which I had a lot of fun with, uh, read a book about books, and read a book that has been banned or frequently challenged in your country. And Jill sent me one that I got infuriated about. Um, so as usual, when it's just the two of us, we're going to just kind of go back and forth and talk a little bit about these books. Uh, and we'll go by category here. And then 
if you want to read any of these books, uh, we'll have them in the show notes. So you can go in and you can find links to those um, and then find them at your library or a library near you. So, yeah. Is that everything from the... Well, if they want to share with us... Yeah, good job, Jill. I'm, I'm letting you do it since you you remembered and I didn't. Um, so, yeah, if you want to share with us what you're reading or if you have any suggestions for these um, topics, you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com or find us on Twitter at probooknerds. Yes, you can do all those things. Um, all right, so the first one we're going to do is read a debut novel. Uh, I have five, but the first three I did for entirely selfish reasons because they've all been on our podcast and I really liked the, okay. the authors. That's fine. Um, so I won't spend a lot of time. T- how many do you have of these? Four. Okay. As as always, we, never, we didn't tell each other what we, we have. We did here. not. Um, so my first one is This Is Where It Ends by Marie Kneekamp. Talked about her a whole bunch and she's getting a whole bunch of attention. Her new book's coming out later this year. Um, it's a tough read. It's about a school shooting, um, but it's what happens during a school shooting takes, and it takes place over like 54 minutes in real time and through a bunch of different, uh, perspectives of all these students that are in the actual, uh, you know, situation that's happening. So we've talked about it a bunch, but it's an incredible book. It was a New York Times bestseller and I can't recommend it enough. So in case you're relatively new to the podcast, go read This Is Where It Ends. That's that's all for the first one. Okay. I have Everything, Everything by uh, Nicola Noon, which mm-hmm. is about an 18-year-old girl named Madeline who has a severely um, uh, immunodeficiency health issue, um, also known as bubble baby disease. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, you know, plastic bubble type mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, anyway, so... She lives there. She lives in her house. She's sort of um, stuck there. There's a boy that comes along, of course. Uh-huh. Um, people may be familiar with it because there's a movie coming out this month. The adaptation comes out. So I actually saw a lot of the YA authors that I, that we follow on Twitter all tweeting excitedly about it recently because I think they were talking about it on Good Morning America. Probably. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's going to be one of the big ones. So um, it's a it's but it is based on her debut novel. So yeah. Good job. Uh, my next one is Your Heart is a Muscle the Size of a Fist by Sunil Yappa. This came out in, I think, 2016, maybe 2015, actually. I can't remember. Years are hard. Anyway, yeah. uh, Your Heart is a Muscle the Size of a Fist is about, it's told in seven, seven different people's perspectives over the course of one day during the uh, World Trade Organization riots that happened in Seattle in 1990. And it's the main crux of the story is about a father who is a police chief trying to handle these 50,000 protesters that are there. And then his son is actually one of the protesters. And um, they're, you know, they have, they go through what happened in their life and then how they uh, come back together eventually. And the whole story is very uplifting, but that one is kind of based off real events that he then used, you know, kind of like historical fiction. So, uh, Your Heart is a Muscle, The Size of a Fist by Sunil Yappa. And again, he was also on the podcast. If you want to go back way, way, way long ago, he was like in our first 20 episodes. It was very early. Yeah. It was very early. So. Ready Player One. Oh, that is a debut novel. <laughs> Bring it back in. A deep cut. We have not talked about it. I was like looking through my list and I was like, oh man, we haven't mentioned Ready Player One in a oh, long time. I love it. We love you, Ernest Klein. Please come on the podcast. Yeah. 
we used to talk about Ready Player One for like people, every episode yeah, for people who are not even relatively new for people who are new in like the last fifty episodes like the first oh fifty episodes we would talk about it every time anyway do you want to tell everyone what it's about in case they don't know if you don't know what Ready Player One is about it is I don't even know how to describe it I was like a perfect it, novel <laughs> okay so <laughs> other than that um it is about a young boy. Uh, not young. He's like in high school. Who um lives in a world where it's kind of been taken over by like a. It's like virtual reality gaming yeah. has taken over the world, kind of. So like, imagine if Steve Jobs had like set up a treasure hunt to like take over Apple. That's kind of what it is. Yeah. With like a lot of super nerdy. It's like <laughs> it, it's like Oculus Rift, the like the VR video game headset that the people like, mixed with Willy Wonka. The Willy Wonka's a good one, yeah. yeah. Mixed with every pop culture reference from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I Oh my god, it's so good. We're not doing a great job of describing it. We are doing it. a horrible job about describing it. It's becoming a movie. It is becoming a movie, directed by Steven Spielberg, so uh, uh, that should tell you something. Yeah. I, I really like have such a hard time trying to describe it. Just read it. Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> Maybe maybe one of our listeners can give us a better yeah somebody quick email pitch in. of how to describe Ready Player One. Yeah, someone email in a description of how you would describe like a concise Ready yeah and, and do better than we are because we're we're failing. Whatever. Just read it it's because it's so amazing. Good. I'm sorry for talking over you. That's okay. Um, my next one is American War by Omar El Akkad. He also was on the podcast. This one came out this year, actually relatively recently. So he was on the podcast recently. I've been talking about it most of this year, off and on. Uh, it is a book about a civil war that takes place about 100 years from now. And while that seems far away, the stuff that caused the civil war are happening now. So it's things that are going on about race relations and global warming and all sorts of stuff causes this civil war. And uh, it's a story about a family that is stuck in the middle of it and what happens to them. And uh, it's, it's wonderful. Go read it. Uh, American War by Omar El Akkad. I have White Teeth by Zadie Smith. I love Zadie. Yeah. She's so, uh, she's just, you're like, why can't I write like you? Anyway, um, so uh, White Teeth is her debut novel, and it is um, about two wartime friends, one who is um, from Bangladesh, one who's English, and their story and their families in London. And the novel centered around a lot of Britain's relationships with people from um, formerly colonized countries in Africa, Asia, and the Caribbean. So, like most of her novels, it's sort of, there's a lot going on, a lot of very complex characters, and it deals with, um, you know, sort of a lot of racial mm-hmm. issues happening in the world. Sadie Smith. This was the one that kind of, like, made her, like, huge, so. Yeah. Uh, My next one is No One is Coming to Save Us by Stephanie Powell Watts. Uh, It's basically The Great Gatsby in the South, which I don't think you really even need much more than that. But um, the main character's name is JJ, and he just came into a whole bunch of money, and so he wants to return home to win like his high school sweetheart's heart. Oh, boy. Wants to win over his high school sweetheart. That's a better way of saying it. Uh, But he finds out that the town and the people are completely different from what he when he left. But Great Gatsby in the South is a really good way to describe it. Um, Pretty so, much. Yeah. No One is Coming to Save Us by Stephanie Powell Watts. Uh, so my last one is In a Dark, Dark Wood by Ruth Ware. Yes. 
which we had talked about before in the podcast just because it's popular among many of us her books it's really good it is so good uh so it takes place they call it a hen party because they're british but at a bachelorette party um in this big glass house in the woods and the friends get there and um Things happen. Mm-hmm. It's tough not to. It's, it's tough. tough to I don't want to. I want to describe too much about what happens. So just go with stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, Reese Witherspoon bought the right, so I think a movie nice. is possibly in development. Um, do you know? And this isn't like a setup of a joke. I'm actually asking. Do you know what British people call a bachelor party? If ba- I've heard stag. Oh, oh, that's British. Okay, that's, I've heard stag party a lot. I didn't. I was just. Curious. But I'm not 100 percent on that. Huh. That's probably right. That makes like sense. Like the horse, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know what a stag I'm just is. Sure. Was it a horse or is it a... A stag is... Oh, no. Oh, no that's a stallion. A stag is like a, uh, a deer. male deer. I should know that because of Harry Potter. Yeah. I was... People were probably shouting at us like, you talk about Harry Potter all the time and you didn't realize that one. Um, it's Patronus. Jeez, Jill. I know. Get, get it together. Uh, my last one is Startup by Dory Shafir. And I'm... This is... Oh, it's so good. Dory... Is she works at BuzzFeed, and her book is getting a ton of attention. It just came out. Um, the main character, his name's Mac. He has basically a six hundred million dollar idea, and he he has an app uh, called Takeoff, and it's basically the hottest thing in tech. And it's about to launch, and um, then he's promising everyone it's going to be a billion dollar idea, and then basically it's. It's his like inner office workings of a tech company. It reminds me a lot of Silicon Valley, the the show, um, but it it's funny and it's it's just so so wonderful. Um, if that name is familiar, Dory has a podcast with her husband Matt Myra, who is one of my favorite people in the world. He is part of the Nerdist Network, and I don't want to talk too much about what their podcast is about. Um, because I think Dory is going to come on our podcast in the near future. Not that you just put it out there. It's probably not going to happen. No. Good she, job. It's just kidding. Super I'm kidding. Open to, whatever. I got to email <laughs> with her this morning. I was super excited because I'm a fan. It's cool to be able to like reach out to someone. Oh, and be yeah. like, I'm a fan of yours. Can you come on our, our podcast? And then they say yes, and I get excited. That's not why I put her on this list. I had Startup by Dory Shafir on my list way before any of that happened. So that's my last one. Um, is that all your debut That's novels? That's all my debut novels. Cool. All right. Good job, us. Yeah, we, we did it. Um, next, we're going to do read a book published between 1900 and 1950. Uh, I really love this because a lot of people do those, like, the 100 books you have to read in your lifetime type of a lists, and this is a good way to kind of check off some of those as well if you're, if you're into those kinds of things. Somebody reached out to us a while back and was like, are you guys ever going to do one of those, like, review one of those lists of, Mm -hmm. like, the 100 best books of all time type of a thing? This is a good way to kind of go through those. So I have four-ish. I have two because I apparently stopped researching and had to do a different project. That's fair. All right. Well, (laughs) so I... I'm like, I swear I had more. Nope. Just the two. I kind of cheated. One of them I wrote, Anything by Hemingway. But especially The Old Man in the Sea and The Sun Also Rises. Yeah. Are you a Hemingway fan? I don't know if I've ever talked about this much. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've only read uh, his short story, Hills Like White Elephants. So you read Hills Like White Elephants and didn't read any more? So is, like, the his thing best is, thing. agreed. Now, um, when I read it at the time, I did not appreciate what he was doing with that. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know no, what I'm I know, saying? I know Without actually like, going into detail. 
Um, I didn't really appreciate um, his sparse writing. So <laughs> when I went back later and read it, I was just like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and I just haven't yet read anything else. I took a like an AP level English class in Cotton High School my senior year. And we talked about the hills like white elephants for like two months, even though it's a short story. It's I don't want to give anything. You actually, you know what? It won't count because it's a short story. But go read hills like white elephants and then read the old man of the sea. Combined, that's the equivalent of like one normal size book. That's true. You'll get through. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right. What's what's yours first ones? <laughs> This should not come as a shocker. Um, Gone with the Wind. Yeah, obviously. I, also a debut novel, by the way. Mm-hmm. See, so you can double count it. Um, Do we talk about that? Are, is double counting cheating? If you're no, doing not according counter? to Book Riot. Oh, okay. Book Riot allows it. Then I have several that I would work like that, too. Yeah, no, Book Riot allows uh, counting for both or multiple, however it works. Um, but yeah, Gone with the Wind. 1936. Yeah. I love it. If you like Jill's thoughts on Gone with the Wind, go back and listen to any of our podcast episodes. I talk about it a lot. You like it. I do. Um, Although it's one of those weird things where, like, I read it when I was in high school. And now as I've gotten older, I'm just sort of, like, not entirely sure how comfortable I feel with being. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that's fair. Big of a fan, but. Um, Speaking of books we talk about all the time, Of Mice and Men is another Mm -hmm. one for me. Uh, I just, I love that story so much. And again, it's a hundred. I tried to find books that weren't too long for some of these because the book riot challenge does feature types of books that can be tough to get through so i wanted to grab some short ones so you could check off a few in your list so of mice and men it's it's a classic i john steinbeck i love it so so much yep i have the murder of roger Ackeroyd by agatha christie okay ah it's so good it's this is i mean if you if you know agatha christie she's sort of the uh cozy mystery Mm -hmm. mistress I don't like. <laughs> she kind of invented, you know, the yeah, genre in a lot of ways. I like that. Um, but the murder of Roger Ackroyd is one that um, really introduced. I don't want to say too much, but because it sort of comes all out at the end, um, and obviously, statute of limitations is probably up at this point <laughs> in terms of spoiling anything. Um, but she really kind of in this particular one turned the genre of mystery on its head and and her characters and narrators um so within the mystery world it's kind of a big deal so i would highly recommend it and again it's an agatha christie novel so it's short Mm -hmm. like yeah the others um i have one that fits on like the best books of all time stories um the trial by franz kafka Mm -hmm. i hate and love this book so much (laughs) It bothers me, and I can't figure out why, but I, I've read it so many times. Um, it's one of his best-known books. It was actually never finished, but he has a chapter. Like, he had everything. It was never completed by him, but it was put together after his death. Um, he has a beginning chapter, a definitive beginning chapter, and a definitive ending chapter that brings everything to a close. You can read every other chapter of this book out of order, and it still works. Because there are no timelines um, that are specific to things. Basically, this uh, guy okay. gets arrested, um, and he te- he says he's going to be on trial, uh, but the crime, the nature of his crime, is never revealed to both the person who gets arrested or the reader. And so, it's a lot of things that are going on that um, just he's waiting for a trial. He goes and 
tries to find out what it's going to be about. He meets all these people. I, it's so deep, and I love it so much. People, uh, it's been compared a lot to uh, Crime and Punishment and The Brothers Carry Miles Off by Dostoevsky, mm-hmm. which is why I love it so much. Uh, but it's it, again, it's pretty short, and it's I don't know. It's some it it stays with you. It sticks with you, and it is on a bunch of different uh, top one hundred books yeah. of all time. So. And then my last one, which I think we could both talk about, is The Little Prince. Um, have you never read The Little Prince? I feel like we talked about The Little Prince. Not All with right. me. Okay. Uh, the Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Uh, it is, it's been voted France's best novel of the 20th century. And it's so beautiful. Uh, it's, you know, it... A lot of you have probably read it because it's a children's book, but it's just... It's magical and it's sad and it's everything I would want a children's book with depth to have. Like it's not just a simple story that starts and ends happily with a little tiny hiccup in the middle. It it goes through emotions about what the little prince feels about society and it, it's just it's so good. They recently did a Netflix movie about it, which I also recommend you watch, which is incredible. But again, that's another short one. So The Little Prince. Oh, I love it so much. Can't believe we never talked about that. We, I've never read it, so we would have no reason to talk about it. All right. We'll never. Just saying. Um, the next one we have is read a book about books. How many you got? Uh, four. Maybe two. I, I feel like we're going to overlap on these. Um, maybe. My first one is um, the Invisible Library series. By Genevieve Cogman, which I've talked about before. It is sort of fantasy. Um, it's about a librarian, but she lives in like this magical world where she has to kind of go between worlds and um, kind of parallel universes and like retrieve books and sort of save them from these other worlds and bring them back to this main library. And there's like dragons, and there's like it's just it's fun. It's a very fun book. Um, it was published, I think, in the UK originally, and it's, it's been coming over within the last year or so here. Um, there are three books in the... It's a trilogy. Um, at least I think it's a trilogy. There are three books out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's just a fun book. Okay. I have Fahrenheit 451. I did not actually put that on my list, okay. shockingly. Good. All right. Uh, well, it's by Ray Bradbury, very well-known. Um, Jim, who comes on the podcast every once in a while, is a big, big fan of this. Uh, but the main character's name is Guy, and he was a fireman whose job it was to start fires. Uh, basically, society is burning books. Uh, Guy enjoyed his job. He'd been a fireman for a long time and never questioned anything that he was doing. Uh, never questioned anything until he met a 17-year-old girl who told him of a past where people were not afraid. And then he meets a professor who told him of a future in which people could think. And then it kind of goes from there, and he realizes how crazy it is that he's burning books. So... Um, really well known but if you haven't read it really well known that's kind of like an understatement i know i yeah you're right <laughs> what's your next one um <laughs> uh, my next one is the uh lost book of the grail by charlie lovett which came out i believe early this year um i describe this as one of my favorite sort of unofficial genres which is um mysterious book trying to find it in like old buildings <laughs> What an incredible genre. Is there a bisect for that? There's not, but there should be. 
know, I mean, I say that though, and you know exactly what kind I of books exactly I'm talking what about. I mean, it's so funny and mysterious, so true. missing book, and like I've got to go find it in like some old building. Mm-hmm. So, um, this one is actually kind of fun. <laughs> so, the last book of the Grail. There's, of course, that whole Grail um, Crusaders element of it, and the the search for the the Holy Grail. Um, this is fun though because there's a the main character works in in a very old library on a um, uh, English. Um, college and he's very sort of like paper books are the best and then this like (laughs) younger librarian comes in and she's all about digitizing (laughs) which creates a lot of tension Uh uh-huh yeah what no one ever has an opinion about that you know she's there to sort of digitize these these very old books that can't be found anywhere else and but they find out that they have this um both have this deep love about finding the grail and it's just it's, it's a lot of fun um, that book you're describing, it feels like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark to me. A little bit, sort of. I mean, I can see how that would happen. No, I want to go watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, my next one is The Book Thief by Marcus mm. Zusak, which I've talked about several times, and I'm sure you may have heard of it, but in case you haven't, uh, in 1939 Nazi Germany, um, the country is kind of holding its breath, and our main character, Liesl, is she's a foster girl living outside of Munich, I believe. And she's working with her foster parents, trying to kind of scratch out their living. Uh, and then she steals a book and then kind of gets obsessed with it. And uh, there's just there's so many layers. I feel like I'm talking about onions this episode. Lots of layers. Um, layers. That's a bad Shrek joke. Uh <laughs> So with the help of her her foster father, she learns to read and then shares her stolen books with her neighbors during bombing raids. And they also, they're hiding a Jewish man in their basement. And it's sad. And I cried a lot reading The Book Thief, but it's incredible. And it definitely highlights the importance of books and reading and all that good jazz. Indeed. Indeed. Um... My next one is Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Mm-hmm. Oh, I owe you a copy of that still. You do. Sorry. No, wait. Fangirl I have. I owe you a copy of the other two that I was sent. Correct. That's okay. Um, signed. Signed. So, hi, Rainbow. Um, <laughs> so, Fangirl, for those who don't know, is... I mean, it's classified, I believe, as a young adult novel, but adults can read it. And it's mm-hmm. about uh, this girl in college who is, like, obsessed with these sort of kind of Harry Potter type books. Would you call her a fangirl? I would call her a fangirl. <laughs> She's a fangirl of these Harry Potter type books and she writes fan fiction about them sort of like on something like Wattpad um, and uh, it's just sort of about her experiences her first year of college while dealing with um, you know getting sort of being anticipating uh, the final book in this huge series that she loves and has been writing fan fiction about for years. Um, and so it's fun because interspersed throughout the book rainbow has really created this series of fiction Mm -hmm. like fantasy novels that the the girls reading and um she kind of has like quotes that she puts in them yeah and i and rainbow um after writing fangirl like these characters became so not the characters in fangirl but the characters like the book within the book um just like would not leave her alone and so she wrote an entire novel called carry on about mm-hmm. that, like takes place in that world. That's how you know it's, you're. It's very writer. um, in uh, no, what's the movie? 
with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Inception? Yes, it's very Inception, like book within a book within a book kind of thing. I would say that much like an onion, it has layers. Okay. Anyway, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fangirl. Rainbow Rowl. Rainbow Rowl. Um, my next one's Matilda. Oh, that's a good one. I know. I was so proud of myself. How did I miss that one? Matilda by Roald Dahl. Uh, I love Roald Dahl. I love James the Giant Peach. I love the Big Friendly Giant. Of course, love Willy Wonka. He's, Roald Dahl was a big part of my childhood. And Matilda is all about a young girl whose parents hate her. And her headmistress at her school hates her and also all other kids. Uh, True. Trunchbull is the worst. She's the worst. Um, but when Matilda gets attacked by Trunchbull, she realizes that she has these remarkable powers. Um, and so basically she's incredibly special. But she's also incredibly smart and a huge part of... Matilda takes place in the library, and there's a big emphasis on how much she loves reading, and if you have never read it, this is a perfect time to dive into it, and then you're probably going to want to read all of Roald Dahl's books, because just a genius. Pretty much. Matilda, yeah. And if you're in a city that gets traveling Broadway things, Matilda is also a Broadway musical, and it's so much fun. I saw it in London. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's incredible. Ugh, it's so cute. Mm-hmm. I want to like sing the songs all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yas. Um. Okay. So my last one is "The Air Affair" by Jasper Ford. That okay. would be airs and E Y R E Jane Eyre. Um. I don't really... This is sort of like a Ready Player One thing. So, um, our main character, Thursday Next, lives in a world where... Wait. Her name is Thursday Next? It is. What an incredible name. Right? Continue. So, Thursday Next is British. She lives in a world that is sort of a parallel to our world. The Crimean War is still going on in her world. And... um, Yikes. People like her dad can travel back in time, like as their job, and she, um, there are these like literary detectives where they go in search of books, and someone um, steals Jane Eyre from the book Jane Eyre. They they went into Jane Eyre and stole Jane Eyre from Jane Eyre. That's so fun. It's very fun. So <laughs> it's a whole series of books where people go into the books, and it's just like all these mm-hmm. lots of characters. Like she meets Mrs. or uh. Uh, Miss Haversham at one point um, <laughs> in her big creepy house and uh, she meets a Cheshire cat. He's in charge of like the library and yeah, so um, adding this to my list, this is amazing. It, the whole series is phenomenal. Um, so yeah, but it starts with the air affair. You know, we bring on like Quentin and other people for science fiction and fantasy a lot, but you're secretly like a like a powerhouse of I don't awesome... think it's a secret. Well, okay, <laughs> I know, but we don't... <laughs> I know, but I'm just, I was trying to give you a compliment. No, I know. I don't take compliments very well. Um, Clearly. (laughs) And I like your book, too, Jill. (laughs) So, yeah, I read a lot of it. Um, I read a lot of... You're going to be like, so yeah, I read a lot. (laughs) No, no. I think with Quentin, Quentin reads a lot of very traditional, what you would consider traditional science fiction and fantasy. And I, I don't read a lot of hard... Um, science, I, 
I don't read hard science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, like The Martian was way too hard for me, and that's not even like that hard. <laughs> I no, I'm like I mean, with, not yeah. I'm not I'm, I'm not yeah. talking hard in terms of difficulty. I I'm know saying what you mean. I I know yeah. I know. Sorry, that was so pompous of me. No, no, <laughs> I know up. that you know what I mean when I say hard science fiction. <laughs> I'm talking about our listeners no. who may not know what I, I know. mean I'm by sorry. hard science fiction. <laughs> You can explain it. I'll be quiet. <laughs> so I don't mean in terms of necessarily difficulty level in reading it. I'm talking about how much actual math and science and such is involved right. in it. Yes. So I don't read hard science fiction. And my fa- I do read fantasy a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, we have when we have people like Quentin, when that's all that they read. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't really give you much to work with. It's okay. That, other than no. complimenting you, which you refuse to accept. I don't take compliments very well. Would you like to know my last book? Yes, I do. Neverending Story. Oh, my God. Oh, I forget that one, too. I'm so proud of these. So I, lo- I grew up watching The Neverending Story, the movie. And then when I got to high school or like early high school, we read it and I found out that the book, much like um, The Princess Bride, which also I guess could have worked here, uh, The NeverEnding Story, the movie for both of those ends and the book does not. Yes. Our, our, our co-worker Shannon has talked about that numerous times. Yeah. She's a big NeverEnding Story fan. Yeah. yeah. Ne- NeverEnding Story is so much, I just, oh, it's so, it's such a good book and it has these incredible characters that all live in Fantasia. First off, the main character's name is Bastian Balthazar Bucks. That's like the best name ever. Yeah, it's an incredible name. And then there's also Atreyu and Artax the horse. Oh, Artax. Um, Falcor. Falcor, the luck dragon. There is... Oh, what are the um, scientists' names? Um, oh, man. I can't think of some of the names, of the, the amazing names in this now. Yeah, it's good. Um, there's Moonchild, which is the princess, whose name you never really get to hear in the movie. Um, but if you're familiar with the never-ending story, which... I think you probably are, but you've never read the book. You really should. It's wonderful. And by the way, the author of the book hated the movie. So He did hate the movie. Um, so it's not going to be exactly the same. But again, if you've read or if you've seen the movie but haven't read the book, you're going to get to a point where you're like, the story is about to end. I'm pretty sure of it. And then you're going to see that you have like a third of the book left. And you'll find out why. I'm pretty sure that's Shannon's. I think that's what she said. That yeah. she's like, oh. And then she like realized like there's a mm-hmm. whole... Mm-hmm. other section is still really happening good. Yeah, um good stuff so our next one this is gonna run a little long sorry guys uh the next one is read a book that's been banned or frequently challenged in your country i have three and i get real real on a soapbox on this sure you do i have three as well um yeah you can start okay so i actually i was trying to decide this is a tough one because we are United States residents, but not all of our listeners are. Right. So I wanted to be able to pick books that um, would apply to them. So I actually picked books that um, have a long history of being banned and challenged mm-hmm. so that they cover multiple geographic um, areas. So the first one is probably not a shocker if you have actually listened to our Band of Book episode, but um, it's Lolita, which is yeah within my top 10 books ever it's it's incredible it's a french book um i mean the was french uh that was originally banned in france banned in france but removed after the publisher sued the french government 
and it was also previously banned in the UK, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you also did more research than I did. Well, where I, I didn't know. I mean, it was, it was a hard one because I was trying to find books that I knew would cover mm-hmm. multiple areas. Yeah. I did a good job. I'm proud of you. Uh, my first one is This One Summer by Mariko and Jillian Tamaki, I think is how you, or Tamaki. Mm-hmm. Um, you picked an older book. This one came out, I actually think like 2014. But Yeah, it made the top list for 2016. Yeah, it continues American, to make it. Yeah. Um, it was censored for, um, and I think it might have been the top, was it the top book? It was the most banned book of 2016. Correct. Uh, it was. That's what I just said. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was like reading it. While I, was like, I thought you said it made the list. No, oh. no. Well, that's what I meant. Made the top of the list. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Okay. Uh, no, that's on me. Um, it was censored for profanity and mature themes. Get out of here. Uh, it was listed as being for readers 12 to 18, and it contains depictions of young people talking about and dealing with adult things, like they do. So it should be something that young people read. Anywho, it's a coming-of-age story about two preteen friends, Rose and Wendy, uh, during their summer in Owago, which is a small beach town. Uh, it So it's really good, and it's really short, and so you can get through this quickly. But read it anytime, anytime that there are books about young teenagers dealing with adult themes. I think that only the young adults or soon-to-be adults should read them, but I think parents should as well, and this is one of them. That's we don't really like banned books at Overdrive. We hate... Wait, let me rephrase it. Yes. <laughs> we love banned books here at Overdrive. We don't like books being banned or challenged. <laughs> Boom. What's your next one? Um, this is actually a very timely one. I have 1984 by George Orwell. <laughs> Also published between 1900 and 1950, so yeah. fun fact. <laughs> and also a recent bestseller again. Also a recent bestseller. Reasons we won't get into. Um, it's been, over the years, has been banned and challenged in many U.S. schools. And shortly after it was translated into Russian, it was banned in the USSR under Stalin. Um, yeah, this has one of those weird books that um, has seen this huge surge of popularity again. Um, along with stuff like The Handmaid's Tale, uh, The Jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. Yep. So it's been, it's, yes, it's, it has a long history of being banned and challenged. Um, 1984, George Orwell. Uh, I have George. Oh, my God. Alex. Is it Gino or is it? It's Gino. Is it Gino. Oh my god, that book made me cry. Yeah, it made me cry too. I listened to the audiobook and I'm like sitting at my desk and I'm just yeah. like sobbing. Um, in case you're just joining our podcast for the first time, Jill and I are big fans of equality and people being equal. And the first, the the first line that you'll see in a description for George is "Be who you are" in all caps. I have a little pin that Scholastic gave us, like a button that is in my cube that says that. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I couldn't agree more with that statement, but. Uh, for people who aren't familiar with George, uh, when people look at George, they think they see a boy, but she knows she's not a boy. She knows she's a girl. I don't think I need to describe any more than that, but it's a uh, it's a story about George going through, I think, not the, is it like middle school-ish? Yes. Elementary school? Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to deal with you know people seeing George the way that they think that they should see George. And yeah. Yeah. I can't recommend it highly enough. And it's so incredibly well written that I sort of f- 
forget that, um, you know, there will be scenes where people refer to George as a boy and like wearing pants. And I, it just like blew my mind because mm-hmm. y- you don't see George that way. Like yeah. George is a little girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you read it and you really enjoy it and you want another book just like it, uh, The Pants Project by Kat Clark. She's uh, We recorded a podcast with her. It hasn't come out yet, but it's a very similar story and it's another younger book that I cried. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. Uh, what's your next one? <laughs> oh, this is a big one. The Satanic Verses by Salman Rushdie. <laughs> yeah, that has been, uh, that's been, that's been banned a few times. <sighs> Oh man, poor Salman Rushdie. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this one for all the places that it's been banned. Um, so it came out in the late 80s. Let's see. Uh, five people died in riots in Pakistan and a stone-throwing mob injured 60 people in India. Venezuelan officials threatened anyone who owned or read the book with 15 months of prison. Japan fined anyone who sold the English language edition. It has been it um, has previously been banned in India, Bangladesh, Sudan, South Africa, Sri Lanka, Kenya, Thailand, Tanzania, Indonesia, Singapore, and a group organized a book burning in England. In the United States, it was unavailable in about a third of bookstores, and for those that did carry it, it was often kept behind the counter, and you had to specifically ask for it. Yeah, so many things. Satanic verses, Salman Rushdie. Yeah, yeah I... There you go. Mm-hmm. That covers a lot. <laughs> uh, my last one is Persepolis, which is a graphic auto uh, a graphic autobiography by I think it's Marjane Satrapi. Uh, it depicts her childhood, growing up in her uh, kind of like her early adult years in Iran, during and after the Islamic Revolution. Um, so the title is a reference to an- the ancient capital of the Persian Empire. Um, it got ranked as like as high as like number five on uh, Newsweek's lists of best books of the decade. Um, we actually, if you go to Overdrive, we have all of the, because they're, they're graphic novel. It's like, a com- it's like a comic series, I guess you could call it. And then when they put it all together, it becomes a graphic novel. And we have the whole thing all in one. Um, it's, like I said, it's, it's told through Satrapi's life during the war between Iran and Iraq. And it depicts her childhood all through high school. And then when she left to go to college in, Aus- in Austria and then returns to Iran where she attended college, she got married, got divorced, which, as you can imagine, is a little bit of a controversy there. Um, it, it's a good way to see a life and a lifestyle and a society that you may not know too much about if you're listening in the United States because um, you know the Middle East can feel like it's an incredibly far away place to us, so I highly recommend reading this. And again, it's another one you can get through really, really quickly because it's uh, a graphic novel and very important. Mm-hmm. So those are all of mine. Those all of us for both of us for those, right? Yep, I'm all set. Okay, and then the last one you have is read a classic by an author of color. Um, I only have two for this, but you have a good like starting point. I have three. But isn't isn't one? Sorry, I'll let you start. Go ahead. You have uh, a good way to start if you're looking for classics by an author of color. There's one who's very well known who's written several that appear on all of these lists. I'm, I'm gonna qualify this by when it comes to 
picking a classic that's sort of tough picking a classic by an author of color because for a long time authors of color were not published so ours may be a little um i don't want to say contemporary but they're not as old as some people might anticipate Mm -hmm. when describing a book as a classic okay just as just had to put that out there um so yeah basically anything by tony morrison anything by tony morrison (laughs) who is from where i grew up in lorain ohio Yes, she is. She's an Ohio native. She's amazing. She is amazing. So, anything yeah. by Toni Morrison. Literally anything by Toni Morrison. Um, what's your first one that you actually have written down? I do have The Color Purple by Alice Walker. Yeah. Which takes place mostly in uh, Georgia. The story focuses on the life of African-American women in the southern United States in the 1930s, addressing numerous issues, including the exceedingly low position, their exceedingly low position in American social culture. I read this for the first time a few years ago and was just blown away by the writing. It, it's I'm not spoiling anything. It happens pretty early. Um, one of the the main characters is a little girl and she's raped and uh, that it's just it's it's a well written rape scene. I don't know how else to describe it. Right. But just the writing, the craft of the writing that Alice Walker put into that scene just blew my mind. Um, yeah, it's it's very well written. It's epistolary, so it's it's letters and diary entries. Um, so that's my first one. I have their eyes were watching God. Is that un- almost, but did not okay, put it on? Okay, I got nervous. Um, <laughs> Zora Neale Hurston is it Hurston? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, so their eyes were watching God brings to life a southern love story with wit and pathos found only in the writing that Zora can bring. Um, it was out of print for a really, really long time, but not a problem if you're reading it digitally. But um, that's another one. It It's an incredibly important novel when thinking about African-American literature. But I, this is one of the rare ones that it was written pretty early. Like I, I tried to find a couple of books that were written in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. I think it was written in the 30s, if I remember correctly. I'm guessing. I heard you typing. I'm guessing. Sorry, I was looking up something else. Um, oh no, that's okay. Um, it was published in. Oh, that's the one I need. 1937. Yeah. So, it. I mean, it tells the story of a South that still very much, obviously, was segregated, and and I just, it's important, and it was out of print due largely to audience's initial reaction of it having a strong black female protagonist Mm -hmm. so um also would fall in some banned books lists i would imagine yeah so that's their eyes were watching god by zora neale hurston i just added one to my list that i thought of when i was (laughs) listening to you um so the invisible man by ralph ellison i had it written down and i deleted it (laughs) Good thing I put it on then, just magically right now. So I'm like, oh yeah, that one. Um, this is not to be confused with the H.G. Wells, right. The Invisible Man. Um, Invisible Man is about an uh, African-American man whose color renders him vis- invisible. It just sort of speaks a lot to the issues facing um, African-Americans early in the 20th century. And, you know, the idea of being a person of color, you kind of aren't noticed Um and it's it is I mean it, it is considered a classic and shows up on a lot of lists for high school and college students to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then my other one that I have for this is "Go Tell It on the Mountain" by James Baldwin. 
I have another James Baldwin book. Do Go you? Ahead. Well, yeah, James Baldwin continue. is pretty incredible, so that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, this was first published in 1953. It was Baldwin's first major work, debut novel. Uh, we can use that for two different ones here. Uh, it is described in many different places as an American classic, so I thought that that worked. Uh, it had, it's written with lyrical precision, psychological directness, and resonating symbolic power, and a rage that is at once unrelenting and compassionate. Uh, it chronicles the story of a 14-year-old boy's discovery um, that he is the stepson of the minister of a storefront Pentecostal church in Harlem one Saturday in March 1935. And so then it's all about this protagonist's kind of spiritual and sexual and moral awakening and trying to find himself in this new America that he doesn't quite understand. So, um, actually, I saw a, there's a quote that James Baldwin said, this book is the book I had to write if I was ever going to write anything else. So um, just thought that was a fun, fun little quote where he's like, yeah, I had to write this story first and then yeah. I can get my other stories out there. I have Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. This book focuses on the events and the life of an American man living in Paris and his feelings and frustrations with his relationship with other men in his life, particularly a bartender named Giovanni whom he meets at a Parisian gay bar. I read this in college. I took a gay and lesbian literature class, and um, I I don't I hadn't read any James Baldwin before that, but it's yeah, James Baldwin. I would like to take a class like that now. I think just like a local at a local college, just yeah. As a course, that would be it was a fun class. We, um, I mean, getting totally off track, but uh, we read um, Angels in America, which I had read before, um, and we had to watch Edwig and the Angry Inch as part of our class. <laughs> Whoa! Had to what, get to, oh the movie, the movie, okay. not the musical. Not this the was music like with... ten years ago. Yeah, I, years sorry, ago. I know. Fifteen I'm sorry. years ago at this point, I thought it was. Well, we well, you know the funny thing though. This is actually kind of interesting because um, so yes, we had to read Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Read it. Watch the film version of Hedwig and the Angry Inch for this class. Um, he let us know far in advance. It was on the syllabus. You know. Make sure you watch it by whatever this particular date was. Um, this was in 2004 when video stores still existed. Mm-hmm. And um, not Netflix, not getting movies on Amazon. Yeah. And so um, I went to school at uh, out in uh, northwest Ohio to very... Um, it's rural. I mean, it's all cornfields out there. And... Uh, there's like one video store that carried it because we had like a blockbuster <laughs> or whatever. And then there was this, um, I can't even remember what it's called. It's closed now, but um, it was like the one video store you knew would carry all the weird stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so we're like all like fighting for the DVD or the v- VHS too. I mean, people had VHSs, uh, VCRs back then um, to watch it. And it just, it was amazing. And I had to go buy it as soon as I got done yeah. with it because I was just like this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life I'm imagining the video store from Parks and Recreation <laughs> like towards the end of the series when it's the exact same thing they have all these movies that no one's ever heard of that, that was a lot of what it was like I mean it was it was you sort of knew if you wanted something sort of cultish mm-hmm. um, you would be able to find it there yeah. it's, it's killing me that it's not if anyone went to Bowling Green State University from like the 90s through like the early 2000s, please let me know because mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was called. I can actually go ask one of our coworkers because I know 
This Whatever. is way more fun. It's way more this fun to like get a delayed. way off tangent. Apologies. It's okay. It's way more fun to get a delayed response from someone who might have gone there. <laughs> I bet we will. I can't remember what it's I know. Oh, It's killing me. Um, those are mine. So okay. I, I have um, A Raisin in the Sun by Lorraine Hansberry. Oh, of course. Which is actually a play. Um, but it tells the story of a black family's experiences in the Washington Park subdivision of a Chicago neighborhood as they attempt to better themselves with an insurance payout following the death of the father. The name, the title of the play comes from a uh, Langston Hughes mm-hmm. poem. Fun fact, Langston Hughes lived in Cleveland for a yeah. while. Yeah, he did. Um, so, I'm, yeah, it, it's classic in terms of I read it in high school, I think. Um <laughs> You know what I mean. No, I know. It's I don't mean that was a bad thing. Uh, but yeah, Raisin in the Sun. Nice. Uh, are those all That's you it? got? Awesome. That's all I got. Okay, well, as we mentioned. That was mentioned, a long episode. I know. I'm sorry, everyone. Actually, I'm not. Maybe you guys like our voices. Who knows? But it, we are just around about 51 minutes. Yeah, that's a um, so that's a lot of books. We'll do later in the year, we'll do you know one or two more of these to help you give get some ideas for the rest of the Read Harder Challenge if you would like. Uh, if you're curious in seeing the rest of the Read Harder Challenge categories, just do a Google search for Book Riot Read Harder Challenge. Uh, they have a big long list of it. So, um, All right, next time you hear from us, we'll probably be pre-recorded, but uh, we're going to go on a bunch of travels all over the place. So, uh, Jill, I'll see you when I see you. This is, Pretty well, much. We're going to see each other for a while. It's going to be a um, while. Anything else you can think of that you would like to talk about? Nope. I think that's it. All right, cool. I hope you guys enjoyed this. It's a lot of fun for us to do this research, so I hope it helps you out. Um, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.